Hello, and welcome to High Tea Obsessed. I am your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and, you know, I'm here today, hat in hand, because this week's episode is a little late, but it is action-packed, and, you know, I'm coming at you with a lot of great stuff today. As you guys probably know, we're toiling away over here, entering the home stretch of Season 2 of the podcast. Lessons have been learned, big things have been done, and big things remain yet on the horizon. Big shout out once again to everyone who listened to the greatest action movie hero of all time, Bracket Challenge. Those five episodes are some of the most fun pieces of content I've ever created. And if you love, or, you know, even if you like action movies, definitely check them out. Give them a shot. Give them a listen. Anyway, here's what we got in debt for you today, right? Flying solo once again and cranking this podcast out, doing it well, doing it my style, doing my thing. And I think I got a pretty cool topic for you. And it could even develop into a recurring little bit here. Because next week, going on vacation in Colorado, and one of the planned uh, hiking spots actually happens to be, you know, pretty heavy Sasquatch sighting area. So I know, probably seems not so coincidental, given who you're talking to, given who you're listening to, but I assure you it is. And it's just a happy happenstance, as it were. Anyway, uh, another big thing about the trip that I want to fit in is the Stanley Hotel, which, you know, famously inspired The Shining. And this got me thinking, what if I did a nice little deep dive with you into Colorado's paranormal history? And so I was like, okay, let me take a look. Let me see what I see. Let's see if there's anything there, if this could bear fruit, if this could be set. And you know what? It did. It absolutely did. Because Colorado has a ton of weird stuff going on. And it makes sense because most states do. So that's why I'm thinking this could be a recurring thing where maybe I just look into other states' paranormal stuff and see what's going on, see if there's anything cool. Now, 50 states, that would be 50 episodes. Maybe I'll do it regionally. I don't know. You know, like I said, maybe it's a recurring bit. Not for sure. Anyway, let's get into Colorado. So, like I said, Colorado has a ton of weird stuff going on. Which does make sense because, you know, you think of Colorado, what do you think of? You think mountains. It is, of course, very mountainous, right? According to Landscope.com, it is over 60% mountain. But it also has over 60 different ecosystems, including tundras, kind of nice, deserts, and prairies. However, given all the mountains in the state, it does make sense that two specific creatures are spotted. Um, at least, you know, they were spotted back in the day and kind of still are sporadically. Colorado apparently has a lot of troll sightings, which, given the mountains, makes sense. They're originally Scandinavian, a lot of mountains over there. You know, a nice little parallel. However, I wasn't really able to pin down any specific troll sightings. It was just a lot of vague rumors that Colorado has a lot of troll sightings. So, not really going to dive too deep into that aspect of these paranormal sightings. But, Colorado also has a good amount of Sasquatch sightings. And that does make sense. And, you know, Sasquatch trolls, kind of, you know, similar giant holding beasts. You know, maybe back in the day, people were seeing Bigfoot called them troll. Now they're seeing them calling them Sasquatch, calling them Bigfoot. I don't know, kind of checks out. Another creature, in addition to trolls, apparently followed old world inhabitants into the new world. So, you know, the mid-1800s, mid-19th century, a lot of gold rushes going on, right? And Colorado, like many other states, experienced one of its own. So this rush of, with the gold rush came, a huge rush of settlers, people trying to strike a rich, all that type of stuff. And one particular group of people 
one group of people was uh they found their skills super in demand and that was the cornish who were originally mining out in pennsylvania well you know like in england of course and then pennsylvania and then they made their way to colorado but with them came myths or with them came actual creatures you know we never know so the cornish brought with them to colorado a tale of a race of creatures who reside deep in mines and caves and those are the tommy knockers or tommy knackers uh so tommy knackers are typically described as like you know a gnome type of thing a leprechaun type of thing and it's dressed in typical old-timey miner garb and they rock these gnomey type beards sometimes they're described as like green like leprechauns sometimes not it's just you know it's that thing and they're you know they're short around three feet tall or smaller back in the day you know, these miners, they were split over whether the Tommy Knackers were good or bad entities because the main thing they're known for is, you know, they're knocking their tap and they're doing their thing right before mines would collapse in on themselves. So, you know, obviously some miners were like, uh-oh, it's a little sketchy. I bet it's these dudes causing the cave-ins. Whereas other miners were like, nah, those are the boys. Those are our homies. Those are our friends. They're warning us to get up out of here before the mine collapses so you know there's a little you know who knows maybe it depends maybe the creatures you know some are nice some are mean they're not a monolith uh apparently you know in some mines the tommy knackers were overtly nasty and they would drive miners out and stare them so much that they wouldn't return now could this just be uh you know that mine structure rich and they're trying to stare other people out or maybe like a particular group of the miners were trying to stare their colleagues their co-workers out to get all the gold perhaps but i wasn't there i can't say that's hearsay inadmissible in court and as i'm sure you can expect most of these sightings have dried up over time as old super as old superstitions have diminished but like other sightings of faithful you know fairy type creatures witnesses do continue to come forward to this day with you know some tourists some hikers in colorado reporting that when they visit these abandoned mines or when they're deep in caves in the mountains or whatnot, that they'll hear tapping once again. And some even report that uh, they hear creatures whispering their names deep in caves. So, very creepy. Definitely would not be my favorite thing to be deep in a mine, deep in a cave in Colorado. And suddenly something is whispering my name, you know? Even if it was like, if it was a friend, I'd be like, that's not cool, that's creepy, stop. I definitely see where they're coming from. And you know what? I don't think it's limited to Colorado. I think if you're in any mine and something starts whispering your name, you're going to be a little freaked out. You're going to be a little bit on edge. So moving on, uh, we're, you know, we're dealing with an old favorite here now. Colorado is also a top 10 state annually in terms of Bigfoot sightings reported to the BFRO or Bigfoot Field Research, Research Organization. And that makes sense, you know, when you think about it. A lot of mountains, a lot of forests in the area, right? If you're a seven, eight-foot-tall hominid trying to avoid people, trying to avoid detection, trying to remain hidden, hard to come up with a uh, better place to hide than mountains and forests, and they got both, and they got mountainous forests, so, like, what more do you want? You know, like I said on the Bigfoot episode, pretty much every state has reports of Sasquatch-type creatures, so that's not super unique or even unique at all. Even, like, the Dakotas have reported the Bigfoot-type creatures. doesn't make a lot of sense, but Colorado, do better. Right here, right now, when we get into it, here is a creature no other state can claim. Here is a creature that makes Colorado exceptionally unique. 
and that is hold on let me back up because this creature let me say this really quick never heard of anything like it in any of my years listening to podcasts and you know like watching paranormal stuff on tv and that is the slide rock bolter which is just this absolutely bonkers this is like incredible just crazy creature and so the slide rock bolter is a massive monster initially reported by lumberjacks in the 19th and 20th centuries so pretty similar to the tommyknockers and miners it's like a uh occupation and region specific monster it was reported to live in the rocky mountains you know it makes sense but only on mountains with a 45 degree angle and that is because you know, my guy is posted up, so it's a massive creature, kind of like a whale almost, right? So picture a whale without the uh, dorsal, like the fin on the tail, just a flat tail with a massive fish-like head. You know, it looks like an anglerfish, right? Giant head, small eyes, huge mouth with big old teeth. And that's what witnesses were describing back in the day. And if you search for the slide rock bolter, You'll pretty much agree with me. You'll be like, damn, that looks like an anglerfish. Uh, so the head looks like an anglerfish, and the rest of it kind of looks like a frosting bag, you know, that you'd use to decorate a cake. Fat on one end, skinny on the other. And uh, the tail, people, you know, when you look it up, the website describes it as a dolphin nose-like tail, except had hooks on it to grab people with. And sometimes it's, you know, they grab people with the hooks. Sometimes it uses the hooks to make its way back up into the mountains. And to like, sometimes to hold itself up in the mountains so it can get its victims. Anyway, it's really weird looking. I think we can all agree. But what's even weirder than that is the way that it feeds, apparently. Apparently our guy, the slide rot bolter, would wait for a hapless victim, lumberjack, trapper, tourist, maybe. You know, some people say it's still waiting. Some people say it's slumbering. But apparently, posted up on its mountain, 45 degree angle, waits for a hapless victim to wander on by. And then it slides down the mountain scoops them up in its mouth and some witnesses claim duh, back in the day that it would garble huge like just a group of people at once like five ten people just swallowed up and then it either now reports differ here what it's keep sliding down the mountain use the momentum to go over the crest of the nets mountain wait up or sometimes they say it would use that tail to climb slide its way backwards back up to its original spot waiting to devour its next victim now if it's devouring whole groups if it's devouring people one bite who's reporting these encounters i don't know fair question i think and honestly one that i think we need to get to the bottom of what aren't they telling us but pretty insane either way and modern reasonings behind these sightings are basically just that it was a myth maybe an urban legend maybe like a tall tale used by lumberjacks to explain rock slide and stuff like that now you know we're thinking 1700s we're thinking 1800s thinking 1900s i don't know that they need uh to use a monster to explain rock slides so i think it's probably just a tall tale but still pretty fun and really weird so outside of the mountains if you know one or two things you know you're probably thinking sports number two number three probably thinking dinosaurs would be my guess right because ton of fossils in colorado places you can even go you can see dinosaur footprints so that's pretty cool and some people believe that if you go there right and if you're living in colorado there are certain areas down in the deserty parts that you might see a dinosaur to this day 
that's kind of cool, you know, why not do a little exploring, do a little, uh, do a little looking, do a little searching, see if you can find a dinosaur, could be said, you know, you'd be world famous, wouldn't be a bad feather in your cap. Anyway, that basically covers like the overview, the basic info, the glancing search of beasties in Colorado. I'm sure, you know, we could get into it. We could be like, here are the top 10 Bigfoot sightings in Colorado. Here are some modern like fairy folk reports in Colorado, stuff like that. But that's not what this is about. This is just about giving you an overview of the weirdness that's going on in Colorado. So in addition to cryptids, what else is Colorado got? They have so many haunted places. It's kind of nuts. So if you look up Denver, Colorado ghost tour, right? Tons of res- uh, tons of results. And then also if you just look up like things to do in Colorado, things to do in Denver, once you get past all the heights and stuff, and then, you know, sorry, so you start off with heights. Next thing's probably museums, depending on the site. But number three, and even on like the official Colorado sites, it's what shows up are like these haunted hotels, these haunted prisons, these haunted, um, like the state capitol building, uh, haunted like trains, mine shafts, all these type of things. And Colorado, I think this has become a trend when you look at like the Jersey Devil and stuff too. But Colorado has sort of embraced this paranormal aspect of its history, which is cool. And so, like I said, lots of haunted hotels and other sites in Colorado. So right off the bat, you know, we already know about the infamous Stanley Hotel. We're going to skip that for now and delve into a couple other places. Here's what we're rocking with first, Hotel Colorado, which is in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And the hotel first opened in 1893. And, I mean, you already know what it's like with old buildings. They're going to become magnets for ghost stories. Or perhaps they're just magnets for ghosts themselves. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway. So in addition to being old and, you know, oldness, it lends that sort of creepy factor, that Victorian type of thing. It's creepy vibes in old buildings in general, right? Uh, but in addition to all that stuff, the hotel was actually a military hospital during World War II. And the basement functioned as a morgue during this time as well. So that's a good recipe. If we're getting all the ingredients together, that's definitely two ingredients right there for a haunted place. Uh, There have also been several alleged murders in the hotel as well, and people have reportedly encountered the victim's ghosts there ever since. And so apparently uh, room 661 is particularly haunted, and numerous guests have claimed to be awakened with a woman standing over their bed looking at them, which I would be like, that's not cool, incredibly creepy, Uh, not into that at all, you know, sort of like the... Tommy Natter thing, like someone whispering my name. If I wake up and there's someone staring at me, I don't care if I know them. Especially if they're a ghost, I'm out. No thank you. But the most commonly reported ghost in this hotel is the original owner of the hotel, my guy Walter, who, you know, he's kind of bored in his afterlife. So what does he like to do? He roams around the hotel and he's smoking stogies. Why would you leave? You just had this beautiful hotel. Why you gotta go somewhere else? Okay, so having looked into this, though, you know, I'm writing this sheet live, I'm doing this research. Uh, Colorado, like a lot of states, has a ton of haunted spots, and there are a lot of tours offered all throughout Denver, like I said. Um, I feel like to do this properly, I'd have to lock in on this ghost thing, like I'd have to get into a different state of mind, because, like I've tried, and it's just not really interesting me that much, which is interesting, because... Like, I've had ghostly experiences. I believe in ghosts, but for whatever reason, I'm just like, 
I'm not super locked into the subject right now. And so I think I'm going to, I'm going to circle back. I'm going to revisit this in more detail. I'm going to do a deep dive into paranormal phenomenon into ghosts specifically because it is interesting. So let's skip all that other nonsense because we're not going to be able to pin it down anyway. So let's get into the Stanley hotel and its history and its hauntings. Like I said at the top, right? Stanley Hotel inspired Stephen Chain's masterpiece, The Shining. Shining typically considered, you know, one of the best horror novels of our time, of all time. And that in turn inspired Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece of the same name. So that's pretty big, pretty big time just for that. And guests to the hotel to this day, you know, they commonly report children running around the corridors, playing piano late at night. Could this be typical hotel stuff? Maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe we'll find out. Let's dig into the history. Let's see if there's anything there. So if you look at the Stanley's website, look at their about page, some troubling language regarding Native Americans. Don't like it. However, moving on, we get into Stanley Hotel was founded in 1903 by this guy named Freeland Oscar Stanley. Now, this guy Stanley wealthy east coast entrepreneur right struggling with the effects of consumption of tuberculosis much like our friend our guy our hero dot holiday however unlike doc uh freeland freeland stanley he is following his doctor's orders he's living a good life he's trying to be clean he's trying to be healthy so he moves up to estes valley Right, hoping that the nice mountain air would help improve his condition. And it absolutely works because he recovers and he lives to be 91. So pretty impressive. God bless you, Colorado mountain air. But, you know, he's out there. And at this time, we don't have great roads. We don't have great infrastructure throughout the country. So he's like, you know what I miss? Being a bougie East Coast dude, having the sophistication, having all that weird buildings, that weird architecture, all that class, all that elegance, right? And so he builds this grand, elegant hotel, which, you know, after he dies, after all these things, he f- falls into disrepair, falls into a really bad state. Uh, they don't keep up with modern advances, you know, no AC, none of that stuff, which I think if you look at reviews, it still doesn't have in some areas. Anyway, especially in like the 1970s, it's really hitting bad times, right? No renovations, like I said, latch the modern uh, type of stuff going on for that time. And it has since been restored, and there are ongoing reservations, ongoing restorations to make it all beautiful and nice and stuff again. But it has insanely super hit or miss reviews, right? Lots of stuff going on with reviews. Some people are like, just getting by on reputation, just getting by on being haunted. Uh, Other people are like, amazing, amazing hotel. I love it. Never been anywhere better. Class, elegance, five stars all the way. You know, I haven't been there, so I can't tell you. But... If we circle back to the 1970s, Stanley's in dire straits, crumbling away. And it has a reputation already for being creepy and haunted. And at that point, people are out, right? They're not interested in the haunted. They're not interested in the creepy. We are today. We're like, that's it. Let's go investigate it. Back then, they're like, no thanks. So it seems like our guy, the Stanley Hotel, on its last legs, on the way out of the picture. However, entering stage right, we have a hero. We see struggling writer Stephen Chain. Struggling at that time, not at this time, of course. Uh, he's seeking a secluded place to crush his latest project. And so Stephen Kane and his wife check into room 217. 
Uh, and so, you know, old, creepy building, falling apart. Not a lot of guests, so it's pretty empty. Wind whipping all around. Uh, just generally disturbing, creepy vibes. Perfect for writing a horror novel. And so, particularly, Stephen Tain has said, you know, they're eating dinner. There's no other guests there. So, they're sitting at this table. All the other ta- uh, chairs and stuff, they're stacked up, packed up like it's closed for business and they're the only people there. And so, Stephen Tain, he's, re- he's working on something else. However, his mind's a race and he's like, let me go. I got the Nets project ready to rock. And so, he starts cranking it out. He starts, like, you know, setting the groundwork. And eventually... Like what we've already said, like we've covered, like we all know. He cranks out one of the greatest horror novels of all time. Horror, not horror. But is it possible? Can we figure out, can we circle back, can we dive deep enough to figure out the reality of the situation here? So if you look at it today, look at some of the sightings since The Shining and all that stuff. Some people claim that room 217, you know, the one Stephen Chain was staying in, they say it's haunted, right? Say it's so some people, you know, we look at it today. Some people say room set 217, super haunted, not just the movie, not just Stephen Tain making it up. Death report, creepy feeling of being watched, an ominous presence. Some have planned to be chased out of the room by this evil presence. Uh, just generally bad feelings all around in that room. Now, like I said, never been there. I can't report. Maybe it's just these people go in with this idea and so they. Uh, manifested themselves maybe the bad feelings manifest whatever it is I don't know you know I'm not a medium I don't know these things and I don't know how much I believe in it really anyway well okay I do believe in ghosts I'm not sure how much of the manifesting like spiritual all that stuff it's like it can get as weird as we want uh, but in addition to room 217 there are several other hot spots throughout the hotel so in particular particular uh, the fourth floor, huge hotspot. Uh, guests frequently, that's where we get the reports of children laughing, running around. And, you know, they are like, oh, what kind of hotel is this? There's children running around at all hours of the night. Open their door. Nobody's there. No children. Nowhere they could go. You know, you've been in hotels. Flat hallways. You know, not a lot. Sometimes there's corners, but oftentimes they're so long you can't really get somewhere without being seen. We've all been on 8th grade field trips to Washington, D.C. All they got to do is post up one uh, chaperone at a time and we can't go anywhere. We already know how it is. In addition to the general, like, kind of vague children running around room 428 and other rooms, you know, but specifically room 428, report seeing a friendly cowboy ghost. And there are some ideas about who this cowboy could be. You know, a lot of cowboys in the area, though. Uh, But this guy ghost cowboy you know he's fond of the ladies you know he's a cowboy of course he is fond of the ladies he's uh particularly friendly to them however sometimes people say that they you know he's kissing their ladies at night the ladies are saying we've been kissed by a ghost and they're not kissed by a rose so that's not cool anyway in addition to our guy the friendly creepy ghost that's kissing ladies in the concert hall, Flora Stanley, a.k.a. the original Mrs. Stanley, a.k.a. wife of Mr. Stanley, a.k.a. the original owner of the hotel, she's in the concert hall. She's cranking out piano super late at night. She's just, you know, playing away. She's doing her furrow lease. She's doing her Mozart. And that's a lot of ghosts. 
and you know because of that hotel does nightly ghost tours there are other tours going on it's a beautiful place a lot of visitors here's my thing on ghost tours though in general i'm kind of out it just seems kind of sketchy that i'm gonna go on a tour led by this organization that makes people pay for ghost tours and then i'm gonna experience ghostly activity you know seems convenient sure some are reputable some seem not to be however like i said at the beginning of this rant the Stanley does seem to have been haunted before The Shining came out, before Stephen Chain stayed there, and that was just basically Stephen Chain doing it a favor, keeping it alive, reviving it, all that stuff. But there does seem to be some truth to the hauntings, as much as we can pin down, right? But that's pretty much it, you know? That's pretty much it on my little overview of Colorado's paranormal history. Like I said, I could do the... I could, like... The hard part was, I think this is pretty short, but I could have keep, like, I could just keep doing it. I could just, we could be doing this for days and days and days. So that's all I have for today with that. But before we sign off, I'm sure you're dying to know what I've been getting into lately. So, like I said, before I started the action movie Hero Ones, I'm going to bring back the sort of, like, news thing, body topic, uh, outro with the... Uh, what have I been doing lately? What have I been checking out? Recommendation type of thing. Not a ton of news catching my eyes. Nothing really new with me, like, in that area, in that respect. Uh, we're, you know, NBA Finals just ended. NBA Draft is about to happen. It's like a nice little between point of that stuff. Um, not a lot of, like, you know, this isn't really a political podcast. Not getting into that stuff, no. Like, super big alien paranormal news, nothing big historically really dropped lately, so, you know, we're out for now. However, uh, let's get to these recommendations, right? I was cranking out action movies to prep for the bracket. With that done, I've expanded. I have some good stuff to recommend. So, as a palate cleanser after all those action movies, I've gotten into a huge ancient history kit lately. And so, I'd like to recommend... Philip and Alexander, Kings and Conquerors by Adrian Goldsworthy, and also Caesar, Life of a Colossus, also by Goldsworthy, because, um, so if you've read ancient histories at all, right, you probably know Goldsworthy is nice, and he's just like, he's so much better than everyone else, in my opinion, because he just, for whatever reason, you know, he researches as much or if more than anybody else, but the way he writes, like, you can understand him, and you he's very fair like he doesn't write with this biased point of view as much as possible he's like here's what some sources say here's what other sources say here's what we know based on the time other like contemporary sources would say about similar situations not necessarily this one so based on that the most likely outcome was this even if not xyz so he's very fair he's very balanced and he writes in a very easy to understand way that the lay person can understand And it's just like, thank you, because we don't have to, like, I'm not reading this book about an ancient icon to understand how smart the author is. I just want to know what was going on at the time. And, like, despite that, you know, his intelligence bleeds through. Like, you can tell he's smart, you can tell he's well-researched, and I just can't recommend him enough. Uh, I'd also like to recommend, I read The Road by Cormac McCarthy lately. And, you know, if you need an introduction, it's hard with fiction, because you can't really give too many details without spoiling and you also can't you don't want to do like overhype it and then ruin it for people so basically the quick pitch is that 
It's a story of a father and son struggling to survive in an apocalypse, and it's really about their relationship more than anything else. Uh, I didn't think I would like it, but it was good. It was really good, and uh, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you've been hesitant, if you're not like a fan of things that are like, oh my god, you have to read this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think it's worth it. I think it's definitely up there as far as those things go. But with that said, you know, I got to get up on out of here. I got to eat dinner. I got to edit this thing. I got things to do, you know. So until next time, like always, if you did what you're hearing, make sure to drop a rating and review. Tell a friend. Tell a loved one. Tell, you know, your boys. Tell your girls. Tell everybody to listen. And if you hated it, didn't like it, you don't like this podcast, tell an enemy to check it out. You know? Could be sick either way. You know, I'm getting listens. I'm feeling good either way. And if you think I was funny on this, definitely check out our Instagram and Twitter. So on Instagram, you can find the podcast at hight underscore obsessed underscore podcast and on Twitter at highto podcast. And if you search hight obsessed or hight obsessed podcast at the most, definitely going to come up. It's Twilight Zone type logo, hight obsessed pineapple in the middle on those pages, especially Instagram, mostly posting memes updates, book reviews, that sort of thing, and I really enjoy doing that, get a lot of nice interaction, feedback, and it's just cool, you know, just kind of doing my thing, and um, recently got up over 110 followers on the Instagram, kind of nice, you know, obviously it started at zero, so just growing it at all is kind of cool, and yeah, so there is an episode coming out next Tuesday, and then there will not be one the following week, because like I said, I'm on vacation, So next Tuesday, and then none. And then after that, we're back on the regularly scheduled uh, weekly episode thing going on. I do have, hopefully, a huge interview with two amazing guests coming up. Haven't exactly pinned that down yet, so no promises, but should be said. So peace out.